Jamie and I with you here in the Green Zone. Thanks for joining us on a Thursday afternoon. Briar Eve uh, here on the Green Zone as the Montana's Briar gets started tomorrow night. Saskatchewan will be on the ice, as will the defending champions uh, from Newfoundland. Team Gushu representing the Canadian Colors uh, this week at the Briar. And we have a lot of Briar coverage for you. Mike McEwen, the skip of Team Saskatchewan, as well as TSN's Russ Howard. will get you set for the Montana's Briar that starts tomorrow. We also have tickets again today for if you want to head to the Briar. We have draw five tickets, a pair of tickets for draw number five. We have, we have a few pairs of those. And it also comes with the access to the VIP area of the patch as well. For Sunday, this coming Sunday. You can play along with the trivia game, either right here on the air or online on Facebook. Give Jamie and I, the sports guy, a follow on Facebook, and you can answer the Briar trivia question I posted earlier and possibly win a pair of tickets to the Montana's Briar. I'm coming right out of the gate with a question. Here's the question. It's the same one on Facebook, as I'll say on the air. Who is the only participant in this week's Briar? There's only one who has this resume. They have won a U21. That's the Canadian junior title. They have won a U Sports National Championship. And they have won the Briar as well. Juniors, university, Briar National Champion. There's only one person in the field who can say they have won all those things. Only one. Name that person. Uh, you could be heading to the Briar this coming Sunday. You can answer it right here. And if you don't hear from us, you can head to the Facebook page and try to answer it there too. Jamie and I, the sports guy, and try to get you uh, into the Briar for this uh, coming Sunday. Also something to look out for is a Briar Challenge that will be going on all week uh, starting tomorrow between myself and Wheels from Z99. You may remember him as my co-host back in the day. We still have a rivalry every day in the office. We go back and forth. Uh, He's right across the hall all the time. He's annoying me about the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, so we are doing a Briar Challenge, and we filmed half of it this morning at the Highland Curling Club in Regina. So, you know, you, there's a tease on what's coming. A bunch of amateur hacks sliding out from the hack uh, with a curling challenge. And we're going to do an off-ice challenge, too, uh, at the patch this week, or next week, uh, at the Briar. So look out for that on our social media, uh, on our Facebook page. And let me tell you what. I curled, okay? I curled. I grew up, my grandparents were big curlers. They were over at the Highland Curling Club. I remember as a young kid, that's my first glimpse of curling ice was watching. I think it was my grandfather. Uh, he had a longer career in curling. Uh, although my grandmother had a more successful career in curling. Um at the Highland Curling Club. And then I got into it as a young person. But I haven't curled in a while. And 
Ladies and gentlemen, it is a humbling experience when you realize, yeah, you can't just go into a hack in your 40s and kick out like you were the 18-year-old curling out of the Lumsden out of the Lumsden curling club and think you're not going to hurt yourself. I am happy I finished the challenge today cuz I almost had to tap written gray in. And then I stretched, and I felt a lot better. Always stretch. Stretch first, ladies and gentlemen. That's my advice to you today. Uh, So some fun stuff coming up throughout the briar uh, here on the Green Zone. Uh, But other news uh, to tackle today. A trade in the National Hockey League around the Calgary Flames last night. Chris Tanev, defenseman, traded from the Flames to the Dallas Stars. They get a... A young defenseman and a couple of picks to the Calgary Flames. Eric Francis is going to join us of Sportsnet on what more to expect from the Flames going into next week's trade deadline. Next Friday is the NHL trade deadline. The Flames already traded Elias Lindholm. They traded Nikita Zadorov both to the Vancouver Canucks. Now they've traded Chris Tanev. How much more are they trading out of Calgary? Eric Francis will uh, tell you that here on the Green Zone a little later on. Are you a Flames fan? How much more uh, should they trade away? Also on the Green Zone today, we're going to talk about the Elias Pettersson rumor took a turn about from, oh, the uh, Canucks are fielding calls about a potential trade, a restricted free agent, Elias Pettersson. Uh, Now he's closing in on signing an eight-year contract extension with the Vancouver Canucks. What a wild 48 hours that was of NHL rumors. And we're going to break through some of the rumors today as well that are coming out ahead of the NHL trade deadline. Can't wait to talk to Mario Alford. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders dynamic returner will be coming up on the green zone after the 5 o'clock news today. Talking about coming back to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But it is NFL Combine Week. And Mario Alford lived this experience. So we're going to take you inside, behind the scenes, of an NFL combine through Mario Alford's experience. The training that goes into it, what's it like to just feel like your career is on the line as you get set to run a 40-yard dash? Like, I better be quick, or I might not get drafted. I might not be signed in the National Football League. I couldn't imagine the pressure of a young college athlete who's not Caleb Williams or some of these primetime quarterbacks everybody's talking about who knows they're going to get drafted, who can opt out and say, I'm not participating in the combine. I'm going to do my pro day. And a pro day is when all the scouts go to your college and you're working out with your college teammates in a very controlled environment rather than at an NFL combine. I like Drew's line, the underwear Olympics. And we're going to talk about Mario Alford and his experience uh, with the uh, NFL Combine that's going on. And I and we need Drew and I are going to talk about Caleb Williams' dad. Another story coming out about Caleb Williams, great quarterback at USC. Rumors that he will go first overall in the NFL draft. People talking about Caleb Williams being the next great quarterback, a prospect we haven't seen since Trevor Lawrence of the Jags. Can he be a no-doubt franchise guy for the Chicago Bears right now who have the first pick? But it also comes with his father talking about, well, we'll ask for a trade or ask for a sh- ownership share. 
Like, I'm sorry, but shouldn't your kid throw a ball first in the National Football League before you start talking about ownership shares? No, shouldn't he win seven Super Bowl for, before he starts talking about ownership shares? Tom Brady wasn't talking about ownership shares in the National Football League as a player. I'm so, The alarm bells flare up for me when I hear about that. Like, you want that noise in this young man's ear while you're trying to build him up as a pro when he's already clearly being built up as the next greatest quarterback in the National Football League? I'd be, if I was the Bears owner, if I was the Bears general manager, if I was the Bears head coach, in the meetings, and I'm hearing about this, I'm like, what can we get for the first overall pick in a trade? Can we get multiple firsts? Because there will be another quarterback. There always is another quarterback. Look at some of the best in the game right now. Patrick Mahomes wasn't first overall. Josh Allen wasn't first overall. Tom Brady was 199th. Dak Prescott wasn't even a first-round pick. He's a, Joe Montana wasn't a first overall guy. It's about situation, work ethic, and having clearly the right attitude to go in and perform. Yes, you need a strong skill set, but my goodness. I'm not drafting him if I'm the Chicago Bears. More coming up here on the Green Zone. Tom Manick's also going to talk... <laughs> about Gary's visit the visit to Winnipeg as Gary Bettman says whoa, whoa there's nothing to see here i don't know why everybody's all up in arms about the future of this franchise even though it was my owner who talked in the media about it not being sustainable but come on this is on you guys for making this a big to do about nothing so that's also coming up with our sport business analyst Tom Maynack this afternoon it's all right here on the green zone on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM I'm Jamie Nye with the year in the Green Zone. What did Sheldon Keefe say? He got fined $25,000 by the National Hockey League after he was ejected the other night. And he was not happy with a penalty call on Mitch Marner against the Vegas Golden Knights. When it appeared, actually, no, that's, that's not even accurate. It didn't appear. The Golden Knight fell. I think it was Chandler Stevenson. It looked he toe picked, and they gave Marner a penalty. Crucial juncture in the game too. And as Garrett Rank came over to the bench, you can see Sheldon Keefe is saying he fe- he clearly fell on his own, but it must have been something before that, because. The official kicked Sheldon Keefe out of the game. It was only two and a half minutes left anyways. Bench minor, or bench misconduct, and $25,000 fine. But he wasn't the only one on Tuesday. 
Don Granato of the Buffalo Sabres also got a $25,000 fine. Different game for unprofessional conduct directed at the officials. Granato received a bench minor in the third period against Florida, yelling at the officials after Zach Benson was whistled for tripping on Florida's Nico McCola. So similar, a tripping call going, what? Are you bleeping serious? That wasn't a trip. The NBA has very, very strict rules now when it comes to communication towards officials. You don't drop F-bombs towards the official. You can have a conversation. You can go over to the ref and complain. But you need to complain in a fashion that isn't being a belligerent jack wagon, to borrow a term from Brad Wall. Like that, that is the conduct they want in the NBA. And you're seeing more and more tech, you used to see more and more technical fouls. It's getting through their head now on how to communicate in the NBA. I wouldn't mind if that came to the National Hockey League. That you see some of the behavior behind the bench of the coaches. And they're red-faced, F-bombs. Paul Maurice is one of the most famous for doing it. You can go to a GIF library on your social media and type in Paul Maurice, and there's probably three or four of him just dropping F-bombs at the ref. Rarely have we heard that came with a $25,000 fine for unprofessional conduct directed at officials. And we need more of this in all sports, in all areas. In an era of sports where people are stopped, they're just done with officiating. I don't need to get yelled at. I'm not doing this for very much money, thank you very much. So I would like to see more of these fines coming from the National Hockey League. And I'm sure there's other coaches out there going, whew. I'm glad they didn't get me for that twenty-five grand because I think I yelled a lot more obscenities towards the official than Sheldon Keefe did and Don Granado did on Tuesday night in the National Hockey League. But the Leafs enter tonight's game against the uh, Arizona Coyotes with their coach twenty-five thousand dollars less in the wallet. Jamie Knight with you here in the Green Zone on this Thursday afternoon. Briar Eve as it gets started tomorrow evening at the Brant Center. It is Saskatchewan, Canada, as Pool B is underway. Saskatchewan starts tomorrow night against Prince Edward Island. Brad Gushu is ranking against Nova Scotia. You also see the Battle of Alberta as Kevin Cooey and Slachinski go head-to-head on night one. They played in the Alberta final uh, with uh, Slachinski coming out on top, uh, handing Kevin Cooey uh, that third wild-card berth. Uh, also, Quebec plays the Northwest Territories. Uh, but on the line is the skip of Team Saskatchewan. Mike McEwen joining us once again. Mike, how are the final preparations going before tomorrow morning's practice? Yeah, day at the... Uh at the Brandt Center and just running around, getting everything ready, getting the team room set up, you know, filled with snacks and other things. <laughs> uh, we're, we're, we're ready. Yeah, we're, we're going to be, uh, you know, Friday morning, first practice. Uh, we'll be really settled in. Well, 
when uh, I w- we were actually we were filming stuff at the Highland uh, earlier today, and a couple of the teams are uh, throwing rocks at the Highland. Um, that they got technology stuff. What are you guys working with on the ice and practices on rock? I don't know. I don't even know what they were uh, that they were putting on the ice to chime rocks and have that much precision. Uh, how high tech has curling gotten from with a stopwatch saying it's 13 and a half from hog to hog? What they were likely using was just a fancy stopwatch. Their, their speed traps. Um, so just, uh, you know, just a, a more accurate way of uh, measuring speed. And uh, they might have had some lasers out there. Uh, you know, it's kind of fun to get those tools out and see how, you know, just how straight you're actually sliding. Uh, so that's that's probably what you're seeing. Uh, some teams kind of cramming, doing some last-minute prep. Oh, right. Okay, because I was like, Gee, this is a lot more high-tech than way back in the day. You just came out of the hack more than anything, didn't you, Mike? Yeah, there's um, there's actually even, you know, obviously we have sensor handles at some events, and uh, even in the Grand Slams, they've put a heck of a lot more tech in the handle so that they can, you know, they can measure their own speed. And I think there's plans on doing some other uh, potential things in the future, maybe mapping the rocks, uh, some other things that they're trying to jam some technology into. In inside the you know the actual grand stone itself, we put the chip in there, and then you <laughs> you guys don't have to sit in the back and watch. You just have all the data right there coming through. A oh my goodness. Um. Anyways, uh, uh Mike, uh, uh, please tell me though. You're talking about the chips in the rock and the the hog line. Are are you guys saying like turn the sensors off? Like let's not even go through what they did at the Scotties uh, early so, early on. So we're not going through that. Uh, they're they will not be used in the briar. Okay. So uh, I guess uh, you know, just between the Scotties and here, they've obviously identified they've got a a software or a technology issue. They got a they got to upgrade. So there will be no uh, sensor handles at at this uh, Briar Championship. As you get ready for, uh, uh, no, I believe it's number nine. Um, what changes, if anything? Uh, in the prep process going in. Uh, uh, and, of course, so the guys you're curling with, they've been here before, too, um, on making sure you're ready to go mentally, physically, all that stuff. Uh, what has changed, and is it a lot more relaxed this time around? Um, I, you know what? I think from experience, a lot of things have changed over the years for me, and and definitely with Colton and, and Kevin and Dan. You know, they've got a pretty good wealth of uh of experience themselves so our our prep is we're we're still you know, as being a new team we're kind of still working on you know what 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 an ideal sort of uh amount of practice and and what we're doing what what does that look like as we as we kind of map out the the week to 10 days before the briar so we're pretty comfortable with that but we're still learning as a team kind of what we like to do and maybe what would work best in the future but it absolutely does start uh you know a, a good week or so before the championship even begins that's uh you know it's almost that's all that's that's more important what i've learned at least you know in, in the the nine this will be my ninth uh you know i've been fortunate to have some really good help really good coaching uh this year we got brent and pat Pat Simmons to help us and Brent Lang. 
so we've been able to kind of draw on that experience and what the team is doing a good week to week and a half before the event is probably the most important thing than, than, uh, you know, actually being able to show up in the event and, and just play freely because you've done all the hard work. Mm-hmm. So let it, let the chips kind of fall as they may because, you know, the last number of weeks you've been doing the right things. When the, when the schedule comes out, when the pools come out, uh, how much do you really pay attention to it um, and, and the standings and everything else? Or can you not really weigh too much because, you know, push comes to shove, uh, you got to win five or six games to, to make the final six anyways? I want to win every single game, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the mindset uh, for this team. Like we're we're kind of riding a, a pretty big high after provincials, starting to really find our groove and play well. Uh, honestly, though, I, I'm also a guy that sometimes you have to tell me when our next game is and who we're playing because I don't even know. Maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, I was going to say, like, the, some guys, some teams I've talked to in the past, and it's like they look at the week and go, okay, you almost have a schedule written out. Or do you just go, okay, we have PEI first. Okay, that's great. I don't care who we play second. I'll deal with that oh, when it comes. That's how my brain works, but uh, we're, we're much more organized than that. We've, uh, we've got a whole spreadsheet out. Uh, you know, again, like, the figuring out the roles of the team and who's doing what has been very interesting this year. And uh, I am so fortunate. I have a whole bunch of guys who are really organized. So it actually just kind of, I feel guilty. Like I, I don't even have to do that stuff. Um, They've got it all mapped out. So it's, you know, we know when we're eating, we know when we're napping, playing where we're going for dinner, except it's all mapped out. And it just, uh, I, I I think from from the past that uh, seems to to be what uh, you know really works well. You, you don't have to guess where you have to be and when. It's kind of nice to have that that all kind of laid out before you. So the guys have, have done that, and I, again, I can be a guy that doesn't know <laughs> who my <laughs> next game is, but but because that's been laid out, I, I am aware. <laughs> Uh, yes, you're like okay. I I know I got Gushu and Kui back to back. I know I got to be down for breakfast at this time. <laughs> Mike McEwen joining us here on the Green Zone. Skip a team, Saskatchewan. Uh, as you go into your ninth, the third different province you represented as uh, Saskatchewan wants a, this drought to end. Mike, I, I, like 1980, Rick Folk, the last team from Saskatchewan to win. Um, uh, no pressure or anything, but could you end this 44 year old drought for Saskatchewan? I, I think you're right. There, at least from my perspective personally, there's no pressure. No more pressure than I would already put on myself, anyways, as an athlete. Uh, I don't know. I get excited with that 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 storyline in the background. I mean, that's that's the stuff where that's legendary. Like that's the stuff athletes dream about. So I don't know. I, I get goosebumps thinking about the, uh, you know, the possibilities. I'm still chasing after my first prior title. So, I mean, that's enough right there. But that and, you know, doing something for for Saskatchewan, who Kirk Curling is just embedded. 
in the, as definitely as much as Manitoba, possibly more so. I'm not sure, but uh, you know that's a fight you can get into in the patch. With, uh, I was like, that's a fight you can get into with in, in the patch with some of the curling fans <laughs> this week on Manitoba versus Saskatchewan curling. Although Saskatchewan, I mean, asked, we're all prairie proud, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> we we you know I, I think I think sometimes we root against each other a little bit too much with certain sports, but yeah, maybe we can. <laughs> We can cheer for both both of our, ourselves this time around, but uh, yeah, that's the stuff that you know. Oh man, as an athlete, that uh, that sounds pretty tasty to go after. So I'm excited. But you're also, you know, as you said, uh, trying to win your first. This is your ninth attempt. Um, uh, you, how much and how much how long have you dreamed of that moment? Uh, the the one. Uh, that you've seen a lot of your, you know, friends and others accomplish along the way and rivals. Uh, how badly do you want it uh, to be able to say you're a Briar champion? You know, I, I'm not sure how young I was kind of dreaming about that. I, I think probably the the first step as a young teenager, I was just dreaming about maybe getting a couple times as a Manitoba champion to go. I mean, that's. When I was growing up, that was kind of the thing. It was very rare for for somebody to go more than maybe three times. Uh, so, but it's evolved, right? The dream has evolved, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I think as as an athlete, I, I still feel like I'm getting better. Um, I, I know my competition is getting better too, right? The game's evolving. We're all getting better. The world's getting better. So. But I'm not stopping because I know that I'm better than I was last year and the year before that and the year before that. So that motivation's still there. And I, I'm with three guys, very fortunate where I landed up, that these these guys needed to skip. Uh, that's what they thought was going to help bring their team to the next level. And I, I happen to be in the right place at the right time and feel very fortunate that it's kind of worked out for me to be wearing green in Regina, it's, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I, I could have been in a different situation with, you know, a couple of my old teammates retiring and, and not having a really good fit, but this team has such strong dynamics and I've been able to kind of within a short six to seven month span really, um, kind of fit in and this team will hold up under, uh, you know, an extreme amount of pressure. Well, I'll tell you what, Mike, uh, we talked to Jennifer Jones before her final Scotties, uh, but with, I guess it was two weeks ago today when we uh, chatted with Jen, and I, I, I've actually got her to say, go Saskatchewan, because, well, of course, oh, really? of course, well, yeah, because, Bre- of course, Brent, her husband is, uh, you know, your coach this week for Saskatchewan, and Jen actually, I, it might have taken a deep breath before she said it, but she did say, go Saskatchewan uh, for uh, the, the Briar, so... Uh, there, if I can get Jennifer Jones to do it, maybe there's a lot more Manitobans cheering for the green this week. Yeah, and I've uh, I got to say this right, but I've definitely got a lot of family to don green bunny hugs. Yes, he nailed it. <laughs> it still it still kind of hurts a little to say it, but <laughs> so yeah, we're you know a whole bunch of us are converting and uh, really excited to have a lot of family and friends. Uh, at this championship, now now you just have to go and find some Vico, uh, Mike. I don't you. Pre- 
Oh boy, that, that that's chocolate milk. That was a chocolate milk brand <laughs> back in the day in Sask uh, for Vico, which I don't even think they make anymore, to be quite honest. But if you find some, let me know. Uh, well, Mike, best of luck this week. I know you're excited about tomorrow night, six o'clock against Prince Edward Island to get this party started. Yeah, it's uh, you know really really pumped for Friday night, and and then like you mentioned, um, there's it's a heck of an opening weekend for us. Uh, we were playing team Canada and Kevin Cooey on Sunday. So Saturday and Sunday, you know, right to work. Yep. Some great matchups. So very exciting opening weekend for us. Right on Mike. Uh, best of luck. And we'll uh, see you around the uh, patch. And of course the brand center. Thanks very much. That is Mike McEwen. Skip of team Saskatchewan getting set. The Briar begins uh, tomorrow night. Uh, practices begin uh, tomorrow morning. Of course, as uh, the Briar is about to begin. Coming up next, this day in sports history on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Yes, it's a this. Hepbridge Farm remembers. On this day in sports history, and you're probably thinking, wait a second, it's February 29th. It's a leap year. How much sports on this day? It only comes once every four years. But there's a few moments in hockey history, especially with some Hall of Famers, that made history on a February 29th on a leap year. In 1980, Gordy Howe, on February 29th, Scored in the third period of a Hartford Whalers 3-0 win over the St. Louis Blues. That goal was his 800th career goal. Of course, at that time, the only player in NHL history to score 800 goals. And also in 1992, it was Ray Bork. He became just the third defenseman in NHL history with a goal and two assists in the Bruins' 5-5 tie with Washington. On February 29, 1992, those points gave Ray Bork 1,000 career points. Yes, just the third defenseman in NHL history at that time to have 1,000 career points. And that's what happened on a couple of leap years on this day in sports. 